Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. This is Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, and host of the podcast. So if you've listened in the past few years, you know I've talked to someone from every state um, at almost all levels of office, from U.S. Senate to school board and all points in between. All of those offices are important because there are 500,000 elected offices in this country, and who runs for those offices makes a big difference. I am partial to local office because I know that's where a lot of things get done. Um, I encourage everyone to watch the new show with Adam Conover on Netflix called The G Word about government, where he does eventually talk about local office and why that's so important. Um, but I'm from Pennsylvania, hence the Bridgeport part, and I am you know, prone to care most about my commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And today I'm excited to uh, bring the podcast back. I had to take a few weeks off for personal reasons um, and uh, talk with my new good friend who's running for office here in Pennsylvania, Lisa Borowski. So, Lisa, um, you're running for state rep. Thanks for talking today. Well, Tony, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity and what you're doing to help, uh, you know, get the word out around about what's happening with our, our government and uh, everyone who's working at every single level to... Uh, to affect change, positive change. And, you know, I looked you up because when I'm asked people, who are some of the most important candidates in this country um, running for state rep, especially here in PA, a few people had tweeted about you specifically. So first off, do you, before I get into the actual questions, do you feel that pressure of like, it's not just like a fun thing to do, like Mr. Smith goes to Washington, but people are like, all right, if we're going to win a majority in PA, if we're going to do these things on these big issues... Lisa Borowski, this person who 10 years ago had not been, a little over 10 years ago, had not done this before, um, everything hinges on her. Do you feel that pressure? Well, you know, I definitely uh, do feel a great responsibility. Um, you know, people have put their their trust in me as the candidate. So I want to make sure that I am, you know, doing people pr proud and working really hard. Um, this seat is very important. As we know, I think 12 seats uh, are all very important if we can flip the uh, flip the House and, and gain a Democratic majority. Um, you know, all of those seats are really important as well as retaining the ones that we have. So, um, but yeah, you know, any time that I am uh, entrusted to run for, uh, you know, any of the offices that I've been, uh, that I've that I've served in, you know, I do feel a great deal of responsibility. I, I'm representing my neighbors um, and my friends and, uh, you know, as well as, you know, working to to put forth the um, the democratic values that, you know, so many of us have and are, are fearful um, that are kind of going to, you know, falling by the wayside. So we, so yes, it, it is a huge responsibility as I'm sure you feel also, uh, you know, on the local level, um, you know, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a big responsibility. So I don't know if you took politics for granted before, and I, not to expect that of anyone, but I did read your profile about how you had gotten involved in school issues because of your children, like seeing what was going on with the, uh, with the school board meeting there. Had you just been a voter before and then that spurred you to action, or had you been involved in things and then that kind of steered you in one direction when you uh, first got involved with elections in, uh, in the Radnor area? Yeah, so I, um, I, I got, I was involved, um, I worked on um, Mike Dukakis' campaign 
campaign when I was uh, in college. There was uh, one of his campaign offices right across the street from where I worked down in, in Philly. So I used to go in and, you know, stuff envelopes and do things like that. So, you know, I did, uh, I did do a little bit of uh, campaign work. I have had knocked doors for people in the past, but I wasn't really um, that in involved. And then, uh, you know, as a, uh, a working mom, I had two boys, um, you know, I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, taking care of them and doing that. I, I did uh, kind of sit up and, and I also always trusted. So I always voted um, and I always trusted the people that I voted, mm -hmm. uh, voted for that they were going to do the best, uh, the best job for us. And um, especially here on the local level, you know, some of my friends served and I knew they were always working really hard on our behalf, but uh, I did get involved. My uh, one day, my one of my youngest son came home from our elementary school, and he told me that our gym teacher, our beloved gym teacher, had said that um, he was going to lose lose his job. And at the time, there was a you know they were talking. There was teacher contract negotiations were going on, and the school board was talking about uh, cutting positions. And so, you know, that was one of the things he shared with the children. And so the kids were upset and the moms, you know, we kind of like, no, up in arms, um, can't lose our teachers. We need, uh, you know, to make sure that we keep class sizes low, all those things that are important. And uh, that's when I really started to pay attention to what was happening, um, what was happening on a local level. How, how could, I, you know, I get involved to help affect change um, and sitting around I would you know watch uh, at night I would watch the school board meetings when they were on and yell at the TV uh, one mm -hmm. night I was yelling at the TV and uh, on the phone with a friend of mine and we decided we needed to go and speak in public comment I was sitting here I was basically you know in my pajamas ready for bed and I jumped in my car to get over to our township building to speak in public comment before the meeting would be over um, and that was kind of my first foray. And I realized I can't be running around town in my pajamas. Um, I can't be yelling at a TV. I need to get involved. So that's when I um, I decided to run for school board and, uh, you know, work to try to make a difference and, you know, implement some of the things that we thought were important at the time, which was making sure that our curriculum was being constantly updated, investing in technology, um, making sure that we were, uh, you know, paying our teachers well and uh, retaining good talent. So those are some of the things that were important and got me involved to begin with. So I've talked with a number of people on this podcast or personally, uh, including yesterday, I was with my son's friends um, at their parents' house yesterday. And and I think a lot of people don't recognize who is on school board. So I don't know what it is like for your experience, and hopefully you'll tell me. But it seems like there are a lot of people on school board who don't have kids in school. Um, and um, there's nothing wrong with being older. But the average age of a school board member is 57. So the perspectives are kind of skewed where, yes, it's important to be representing taxpayers. But it's like a lot of the schools seem to be a little bit disassociated from the ongoing needs of students, like you said, with, with uh, gym teachers and what they're doing day to day, not just from your own experience being on school board, but now you've talked with other local people. Um, what have you seen is going on with school districts? Have you seen that where like there's a lot of perspectives missing because maybe people don't have the time to run or just we could use more people with kids in school? 
Well, certainly, you know, it is a big time commitment. I, the, when I um, when I ran, I think my when I won, my oldest was in sixth grade and my youngest was in fourth grade. So, and my husband used to travel. So, luckily, I have you know good support system. My parents would be here. I can remember coming home from some school board meetings. They would like be asleep in the living room because they stay here with the kids, and it was so late. So, I was lucky to have a good support system. So, definitely, you know, that is a challenge, especially for I think you know women and men. Certainly, you know, having to take care of children and, and having, um, you know, school activities and things like that. So that that definitely is, I think, a barrier that, you know, a lot of people need to uh, have, you know, be able to overcome in order to run. Um, you know, in Radnor, I can say that pretty much everybody who currently serves on our school board and served, I believe, when I, I'm trying to think. Back when I was on school board, we all had children in the schools, um, so it really wasn't an issue of that not happening. Um, but I think that it's important to also have the perspective of people who don't have kids in the school anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, a lot of that would come from my parents. So my parents still live in this community; they've been here for fifty years almost. Um, you know, to get their perspective, you know, it, it definitely is a uh, significant investment for people when it comes to the schools and the way things are right now. So I think it's good to have all those perspectives and be able to balance uh, the needs of all the residents, you know, as we're making these decisions. And I think in, um, you know, I think in a lot of places in a lot of school districts, um, you know, it can t tend to be skewed or people can tend to sometimes have a little bit of, um, you know, maybe tunnel vision in a, in a way. I mean, schools, our public schools are an investment. Um, it absolutely is something that benefits everyone, whether you have kids in the schools or not. So I think, you know, once you can, if you can frame it that way and look at it that way, um, it is, you know, it is, uh, it is an opportunity for people to hopefully change their perspective and the way they look. But I think from the state level, you know, one of the things that was always frustrating when I was on school board is, um, you know, the state just doesn't adequately fund public education mm -hmm. at every level. And we see that happening uh, so tragically, which creates the disparities that exist. Um, when it's the responsibility of fully the responsibility of um, the people who live in a community to fund their schools, pretty much it's a challenge. And that's when you, these huge disparities are created that are really hard to overcome. Yeah, I know. I'm, my kids are in Upper Marion School District, which is pretty close. And Radnor schools are, are very well respected and deservedly so. Probably not all your, not all your fault, I'm sure, but you were contributed to that. Um, and yet, if I walk a mile away, the school district that's the right over or two districts over, um, the difference in uh, what people think, at least, of the quality of the schools is very different. So I am gr very happy with our schools. You know, I can walk to a school district where people are not as happy. What can you, as a state rep, do? Um, because there seems to be a lot of hindrances to address that. People have been talking about it for a long time. Do you think that there are some solutions that you and other allies in Harrisburg would be able to do to address those education inequalities? I think we need to identify a sustainable, uh, you know, funding source. Mm -hmm. It's, um, you know, and, and have the, um, I think the, the political or the courage 
to do that and say, you know, this is what we're going to identify. We believe that it's time to invest in our schools. Our public schools are really important. We also need to stop creating policies that um, are hurtful to our public schools, so vouchers and things like that. Um, you know, those things can be detri detrimental to our public schools. And we need to value as a society, I think, education. Um, we are talking about the, our next generation of leaders. Are we talking about our next generation? I, I can't think of a more worthy investment than the people who are educating them uh, and the, the resources that they need in order to, um, you know, to to succeed in the future, based on the the strong foundations that they get when they're, uh, you know, in their schools. So, I think that. I think, uh, you know, a, a, a identified and sustainable uh, funding source for our public schools is really, really important. I know they were able to give an infusion to a lot of the districts that are, um, you know, in this like leveling up that they're mm -hmm. talking about uh, with the last budget. But you know, how far will that go? Um, it's definitely needed. It's definitely, I'm sure, you know, the districts that have received uh, some of those significant funds will put that to good use, I'm sure, um, to benefit the students. But once that's gone, what happens? You know, you need to be able to hire teachers and sustain those salaries. So that's why I think a sustainable, uh, you know, funding source is, is really important. And I know, you know, we were talking about that with leaders in the House um, you know, back when I was on school board in, you know, mm -hmm. 2011, 2012, 2013, and nothing has really changed since then. And I'm, I know that conversation has been happening, you know, even predates that. So that's what I think. And, and, and Pennsylvania needs to really value education. We are one of the worst states when it comes to um, funding education, and we need to, uh, to change that. Yeah. And one of the struggles lately with funding education is not just on elementary school and, and uh, K through 12 education, but college Right now, it was a big sticking point in the budget this year with some very strong ideological objections from Republicans, which were, in my, I mean, I'm sure we both agree, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, so, I think when you were on school board, it probably wasn't so partisan as things seem to be now. But you know what's to expect in Harrisburg now. No matter what majority there is, it's going to be a narrow majority probably in Harrisburg. Is that something that you have some experience in being able to? thread that needle of being uh, of accomplishing things like a lot of the colleagues from Delaware and Chester County have done on both sides really um, but navigating that really nasty partisan divide that's going on right now well I think you know once we can all agree that investing in our public education and our next generation is uh, the most important thing then I think everything should flow from there um, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, I ideological differences when it comes to, you know, oh, I think our schools are getting plenty. They should be able to do everything they need. They've got plenty when there's and then there's the other side that says, you know, we we always need more. We, we, we need more. So I think the first thing is really um, having those conversations and trying to understand what the divide is mm -hmm. and then seeing where we can bridge that gap. And, and also um, understanding that it takes, uh, sometimes it takes some time and it also uh, is a process that, you know, it's not going to happen with one vote or it's not going to happen with, you know, maybe even two votes. We're going to have to identify what the steps are and, and 
move forward in that way. Um, on a when I was on the school board, we did have a Democratic majority. We were able to do some um, really wonderful things, and we were able to bring along, uh, you know, some of our Republican colleagues who valued these things as well. And I think some of those things. One of the things we were able to do was um, implement the first uh, full day kindergarten program for yeah. the main line, um, which you know I'm so proud of that. Uh, initially, it was something that people not everyone was um, excited about or not everyone felt was a worthy investment. And now it's probably one of the most wildly successful programs that we have um, in the district. And one of the main reasons why, one of the main reasons why people move into this community. So those kinds of things and being able to see the benefit, you know, down the road um, and being able to demonstrate that I think are important as well. You know, you, you kind of reference something I think is important um, both for local office and for state rep is kind of, moving up the ladder in terms of votes and so not just like one magic solution. Uh, did you know, cause it's something I was told when I first ran, like don't make a blanket promise unless you know you can keep it. Is that something that you had to kind of experience firsthand? Is that kind of how you're managing what you're promising to do? Because so many people run for office and they're like, I'm going to pass legislation to end climate change. I'm going to reform the criminal justice system. I'm going to make single payer healthcare. It's like, well, That'd be great, but you're not going to do, you yourself are not going to do all those things. How do you manage expectations? Yeah, you know, um, I've learned a lot about governing over the years. I've been fortunate to serve with some pretty incredible people mm -hmm. and also have some incredible people as role models um, <clears throat> and watch how they've, how, you know, they've made progress, um, even when there is dissent, you know, when others aren't as, as um, excited and happy about it. So... I've tried not to make blanket promises, um, you know, and, and to a certain extent, I don't even know what I would blanket promise. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would love to stop climate change. I would love to, you know, but those are all uh, things that, you know, you need, you need collaboration, you need cooperation, um, and everyone needs to uh, work together to try to get to that. And I can't think of anything, um, with the exception of one time when I thought, I was president when I first became president of the of the board of commissioners. So I was elected and became president um, that same year due to some resignations and things that happened. So I will say that you know I was definitely a little naive um, in that first year, and I thought I would pass um, some gun legislation in our township. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I learned very soon. You know, I thought I'll talk to our chief of police and I'll you know do this. But then I, our solicitor said, Lisa, you know you can't do that. You can't be more restrictive than the state. Mm -hmm. So um, you know we settled on uh, you know just using our voice as a as a township and a community to send a letter to Harrisburg and say you know at the time it was um, a lot of the well which are still sitting there but the red flag laws mm -hmm. um, things like that so you know you have to you have to know what you can and what you can't do and know where to push and um, where not and also know you know when not to back down so you know I don't know if you heard in Radnor we just passed um, last month a reproductive rights ordinance um, in the event that there are some uh, very restrictive laws about abort around abortion that come down from the state. You know, what can we do uh, as a municipality? What's within our power to do something to, you know, affect change and make things uh, better for our community if we can? Um, and for me, that was, you know, you know, 
that was a, something you couldn't compromise on. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, although we did have some, you know, board members that did not feel this similarly, they didn't feel it was our place um, to do that. You know, we really felt, you know, I believe also, and, you know, it's kind of sticking to my guns on something, you know, on certain things when it's that important mm -hmm. and um, not, you know, to compromise. So I you have to pick and choose and learn to govern. Right. Com uh, compromise is good, but can't be the, you can't compromise on everything. You can't cut the baby in half like the story. But so uh, speaking of reproductive rights, you know, it's something that's so important now. And it wasn't, not that it wasn't important to you before when you announced, because it was always an important issue, but clearly things changed between when you decided to run for office and now because of what the Republicans have done in Harrisburg, the decisions from the Supreme Court. Um, before I get into the question of what's happening in Harrisburg, you can bring it up, but um, did your campaign, did your focus change after the, the news in June, both the Supreme Court and what the Republicans have done, whether it was a constitutional amendment in Pennsylvania, do, do you expect that you might have to be making this a priority or like, did you have to pivot because this is so important in terms of protecting reproductive rights? So I think that we all knew that, you know, something like this was definitely on the horizon. You know, obviously um, there are, you know, people in uh, the highest levels of government who've been working towards this for a long time. So the idea of protecting uh, a woman's right to make a choice um, is has always been important to me and will continue to be important. It was part of my platform to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we know that in the state house, you know, since you know 2019 and maybe before, uh, I'm just aware of like from 2019 that the, the House uh, and the Senate Republicans have tried to pass several uh, restrictive abortion bills that have been vetoed by the governor. So this is something we know that the state legislature is focused on. We know that they have things waiting to roll out. This constitutional amendment, this was on, you know, the this was out there before I even started running. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we knew that this was this was coming. We knew this was going to happen. Um, what I will say is I don't know that my focus has changed as much as the focus of the voters mm -hmm. have changed. So as I'm out and about knocking doors, um, I think that there are people that will be surprised how many people feel like this is an absolute negative. And I'm going to say across the board, Democrats, Republicans, and independents, mm -hmm. um, I'm speaking to all of them. Uh, and I think that what I am hearing is that there is a strong feeling that this has been a massive overstep. This is a massive overstep when it comes to uh, privacy issues for people, when it comes to a doctor-patient relationship. Um, I really think that I, I do not think, and I think, you know, so the doors I'm knocking in my, you know, the 168th, I think is clearly reflective of what we're seeing on a national level of how people feel about this. Mm -hmm. You know, they may not be in favor of it for themselves, but they certainly are in favor of choice, of people having choice. And it, it reminds me of something you said earlier, we we're talking about progress in general, and that you had worked, uh, volunteered for Dukakis way back, and we'll just... Way back when. And uh, so, but at the time when Dukakis ran against Bush, the Philadelphia suburbs were all Republican in, the, in that election. And now the Philly suburbs are the reason why Democrats win statewide. It's not just Philly. You can't just depend on Philly. Like the, the demographics, the political demographics of the state have changed. 
And are you feeling that with the people you talk to where I feel like the Republicans and the independents in the Philly suburbs, Radnor, King of Prussia, where I am, um, you know, have tended to be, be professional, business-oriented type of things, not necessarily ideological, like very stringent ideal, ideological. And now they're, they're being pushed away. Now that you're talking to people individually at the doors, do you see that progress in your area that's very different than when you first got involved? So, you know, here in Radnor, we definitely, so I've definitely kind of lived through the, um, you know, a, a, a turn to a more democratic, um, I guess, perspective. So when I first ran for school board in 2011, we flipped the school board for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. In Radnor Township, um, in 2009, our that is when our board of commissioners flipped for the first time ever. So that you know, I, I've definitely seen that progression. And now, currently, Radnor, we have a 9-0 Democratic school board and a 6-1 uh, Democratic um, board of commissioners. So you know that I've definitely seen that progress. You know, being in Delaware County. You know, we have a 5 uh, county council, you know, de- Democratic uh, County Council. Which is very I new. Think, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that what I, what I see, or I guess maybe, you know, from my perspective, it's certainly my perspective, and I'm married to a Republican, by the way, and I have one of my sons is a Republican, so I live in a bipartisan household. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, um, what I've seen is that I think, when electeds deliver on what they say they're going to do, or they're doing a good job, um, and they're reflecting what the values are of their community, then they're going to be elected. I was just on a door yesterday where I was talking to a gentleman, and he said, I don't vote the party, I vote the person. Mm-hmm. And he's like, because you came to my door, I'm going to vote for you. So, um, but... It, that, I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. You know, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, you know, that's, you know, I feel that way as well, you know, yeah, in, in many cases. So I, I think that that's, I think that that's what you're seeing. And then when you have elected to our, who are, you know, delivering for the people they're serving, then that only, um, you know, it, it snowballs, right? So then the next time they're like, well, they're doing a good job. So, um but of course, the tide can always change, right? So, yeah, we've to, seen in the past, especially in PA, but I'm sure everywhere, where Democrats have lost a district because they got complacent. They always won, and maybe so all they're doing is they go to the county fair, or the, the the local events, but then they they're not seen too often. Or Republic, same with Republicans, where they're not seen as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know, like the Philly suburbs are the um, home of the moderate, whether it's moderate Democrats or moderate Republicans, whatever that means. I don't know what it means anymore. Uh, so a lot of people probably say, yeah, there are some really bad people like Doug Mastriano, but my guy's not that bad. So mm-hmm. good luck to you. You're a nice person, but you know, I'm voting for the person. And what do you say to that? We don't have to talk about your opponent necessarily, but what do you talk about like in terms of why you are important and like we can't just kind of say well that one's okay and that one's okay well you know uh, you know i think we talked about it a little bit earlier right now how important if there if there are certain issues that are important to you and if one of those is um you know uh reproductive rights 
if it's making sure that um, public dollars are funding public education, if it's making sure that um, you know we are doing some significant, um, I guess, making some significant changes when it comes to gun safety legislation, then right now we know who is uh, working hard for that and to, to make those changes. And we know who is looking to further restrict mm -hmm. uh, either, you know, when it comes to reproductive rights or not interested in really making some significant changes around when it comes to uh, gun safety laws. Um, or, you know, who is voting for vouchers uh, and things like that when it comes to, which, you know, are, are basically ways to dismantle public education, not dealing with um, charter school reform and things like that, which are hurting, are, you know, hurting is hurting public education. Um, we know who is, who is doing that. And even the nice guys and gals mm -hmm. uh, on a certain sides are, are championing that or they are, are trying to straddle the line but not willing to bring along their colleagues. So one of the things about serving and governing is also being able to bring people along with you, right? So, you know, when you have a vote, um, you know, you need, and whether you have a majority or not, you still need to try to bring people along mm -hmm. with you in order to get something done. So if you really believe in it, and if you're willing to put your name on it and you're willing to, to say that you, uh, you know, are in favor of it, then you also need to work to make it, try to make it happen. And that's where I think we, you know, sometimes people are falling short. You're not putting in the work to really make it happen. It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I, I'm in favor of that or I'll put my name on that bill. But doing the work and bringing people along with you so that it actually happens. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to put your name on something that you know will never pass meh, you get a pass. You really need to try to work and put yourself out there to make something happen. Yeah, and I've heard that from a number of frustrated Democrats in Harrisburg with a few people who are Republican who put their name on a lot of things, and that's all they do is put their name on them. Um, but one thing, and I hope you don't mind me asking, that worries me about people putting their name or not putting their name on in elected office this year is the race for governor. You and I, I hope I'm not... Um, going to get this wrong. We're both very strongly supporting Josh Shapiro because the alternative... I'm not getting that wrong. Okay, good. <laughs> you that right. Otherwise, I'm deleting the podcast. Uh, but <laughs> because he's not only the, um, the, the end point for abortion access, but his opponent is the starkly the worst person that's ever run for governor in Pennsylvania. And that's saying something considering the people have run for governor in Pennsylvania. The, uh, you know, the, the Christian nationalist, uh, the been at the insurrection, etc., do you think that anyone running on the ticket with Doug Mastriano, I think that they should all have to say whether or not they're supporting him for governor. Do you think that they should have to, like, that's a litmus test in tw in Pennsylvania this year? Well, you know, it's interesting. I was just talking to some people about that. So I've been waiting to see um, Radner. I, I think many of the Republicans here are very, are moderate. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm kind of interested in waiting to see what you know the um, you know our Republican Party here will be doing. I don't know that I've seen that they have endorsed or not. Um, I, I do think that you sh you should have to say 
Um, you know, I'm coming out and saying, you know, I definitely support Josh. Um, I definitely support uh, John Fetterman. You know, those, uh, you know, Mary Gay Scanlon. Um, I, I think you should have to say because the candidates that you support, um, I think also are a reflection of who you are and what you think happened. I mean, if you say you support Doug Mastriano, we know what you're looking to do. And mm -hmm. we know what you're, uh, you know, what you're... Um, you know, I think what your priorities are. Um, you can't. Somebody so extreme. I, I don't. I don't see how you can. Um, how you can think that you you can align with that and then distance yourself from some of those policies. Yeah, I think the litmus test for politics have definitely changed, especially here in the Philly suburbs versus when you and I first got involved of over a decade ago, just, you know, the things that you would be, because there, it seems like certain things everyone want to be against no matter what. Now, no, that's not the truth. Speaking of lit, lit, litmus tests, and this may sound like a silly question, but are you pro or against inciting a mob to murder the vice president, whoever the vice president is? Just want to make sure I get this right. Let me think on that for a minute. No, uh, absolutely. Uh, that I think is a negative. Okay, good. On, and I would not be pro that at all. All right, no. it's a wild thing that we have to even ask that, right? Like, it's not like a hyper, like a, a hypothetical. That's a thing. So, last night I was watching. I was staying up late. I was writing my. I run a newsletter that I write for my ward um, before all of our commissioner meetings, and I was writing it. And they had this whole Steve Bannon thing that came on on CNN. Mm -hmm. When you start to dissect all of that, it really, it's its kind of frightening when you dissect everything around that. It is, and it really is a true affront to our democracy. I don't, I don't know that everybody really realizes what, what that means and how that is, you know, how fragile our democracy is right now. Yeah, and I found, I mean, I, I'm in Montgomery County, which when Bob Casey Sr. ran for governor, it was the only county that went Republican many years ago. So... Um, and I have met many people, not hundreds, but I've met a number of people since 2016 who had been Republican committee people who switched their party registration, um, who had either a Clinton or a um, Biden sign in their yard that you, before that would have never done such a thing. And I'm sure you've seen that in Radnor where people's you know allegiances have changed a bit and it's also kind of changed the politics generally in ways that neither of us would have expected. Well, my, uh, you know, my father, so I grew up in a bipartisan household. Right. My mother, so Democrat, did I. my father, Republican. Yeah. And my dad uh, switched. So he's 83, switched his registration, I think, two, three years ago. Um, and a lot of it, he's a physician. And a lot of it was his displeasure over the way things were being handled during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the way the, the, you know, the medical misinformation that was coming out. Um, the, uh, you know, kind of the blatant disregard for the health and welfare of people. Um, he was, uh, he was very unhappy with that. So that's what made him switch. So I think, you know, everyone has their issues and everyone has the things that are important to them. And, um, I think it's important that people stand up for what they, uh, you know, what they believe in and, and understand what's at stake at this moment. Well, you don't understand what's at stake because you're running for state representative. And I appreciate the person we like a lot, Josh Shapiro, has had a message of getting the game, which I wish everyone running for office would have that as their pitch. Um, so, but before I finish here, why is it so important for people to pay attention to state legislative races? Because everyone cares about 
the president or Senate or governor, but your race will come down to, no matter what, less than a few thousand votes. So why are mm-hmm. state representative races so important in this country? Well, you know, the buck stops with the states now, you know, mm-hmm. as the, uh, you know, as the Supreme Court uh, starts to dismantle a lot of the federal uh, laws that created, you know, that that everyone had to abide by and are putting it back on the states, um, you're looking at your state legislatures as making those decisions for you. And, and, and they will significantly and immediately impact um, the residents. So, you know, no one's going to come in on a, on a white horse and save us, I think, on the federal level right now, based on the way things are going. So, you know, all this stuff is is being put back on the states. And uh, it is the state legislatures that are really now the voice uh, of the people of their of their communities and the Commonwealth. So, um, you know, I pay attention. I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't even know who my state rep is. Pay attention to who your state rep is. Pay attention to what your state rep's voting record is. Pay attention to what they're what they're doing and what they're supporting, um, and who they support. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a leadership in place right now that is not letting Democrats speak. Yeah. They are not speaking. Um, they were cut off from speaking uh, in these. You know, this everything when when it went down with the um, the amendment last week at eleven forty five on a Thursday night in July and at ten thirty at night on a Friday. In July, um, Democrats were silenced. Their microphones were turned off. So you need to know that even if your state representative isn't doing that personally, are they voting for the leadership that is? It's a, that's a very important answer. I appreciate that. So the last question is also very important. Uh, people want to follow you. Maybe they want to knock doors. Maybe they want to learn more. What's the best way for them to follow you on social media or online to uh, get information? So I have a, a website, and it's just lisaborowski.com. Pretty simple. B-O-R-O-W-S-K-I. Um, and I am on Twitter, uh, at Lisa Borowski. And my um, Facebook is, so oh gosh, I shouldn't. Oh, Lisa Borowski, PA. <laughs> That's my Facebook, uh, my Facebook page. Um, on my website, there's opportunities for people to sign up to um, either to knock doors, which is very much appreciated. Um, we are knocking as many doors as possible. Um, I was out over the weekend, knocked almost, uh, knocked over a hundred doors myself, and I thank the the very kind people that invited me in to enjoy some air conditioning for a few minutes because um, I was probably a sweaty mess, but. Um, so, um, so yeah, so people knocking doors is great. Um, having events is great, giving me opportunities to meet more people in their neighborhoods. And um, certainly, you know, we won't say no to any donations. So those are always welcome as well. Well, I encourage everyone. I learned a lot from Lisa about Lisa by going to her website, lisabarowski.com, Borowski with an I. And we could talk for the next two or three hours about all of the different issues that she has uh, detailed there from the environment to infrastructure and, of course, protecting women's reproductive rights. Lisa, um, good luck. I look forward to learning more, and I'm going to keep following what you're doing. Great. Tony, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity, and good luck to you and the work that you're doing. Thanks, and if you're listening, hopefully you'll be inspired, and maybe you should run for office, too.